everybody to the Foot Guns Podcast. It is January the 5th, second business day of trading of 2022. This is your standing in for Wasabi, but research host, Boomer, global macro discretionary trader. Join with Halsey tonight, crypto spectacular. And Hal, today was a day. Yeah, I mean, it kind of started off like not. I mean, though, for me, I felt like since the start of the new year, like once the markets open, I guess what we're on Wednesday. It was um, Monday was the first official day. Um, I noticed crypto was doing this thing where it was like getting bid up to a lower high and then just sort of like selling off right before the markets uh, closed. Uh, you know, the talking about the American stock market seems like uh, that's where muscle liquidity follows around, even in crypto these days. Um, and yeah, so I was sort of expecting some sort of test of the bottom side of Bitcoin, and uh, here we are. It actually happened. Yeah, I, this reaction to the Fed minutes, I've never seen reaction to the Fed minutes like this. I mean, I, did, I do think, and I was caught long on some contracts. I really didn't understand. I've been betting on the outperformance of mid-caps. And small, I think people are going to rotate into value away from technology, and they rotated away from technology Got that part right, but I was only on the long side of it, and I didn't short NASDAQ. But, um, I mean, it does help to be short something, and I think you want to be short Ethereum if you're going to be out running around buying sushi, uh, which brings me to an interesting topic, which is scaling into a trade, just FYI. Talked about some of Discord, but you know how Discord's go. Everything gets forgotten in, like, five minutes. But if you're out there trading and – uh you decide that you want to trade sushi or uh, Bitcoin or anything else, and you've got sort of $10 allocated towards it, don't put all $10 in at once because the thing can go down uh, quite substantially. So carve it up into, you know, if you want to do bite-sized chunks or larger chunks, but take that, so you got 100 bucks. take that $10, then carve that $10 you're allocating to sushi up into five units of two and put your first two units in. If the price goes up and you like it, buy more. If the price goes down, um, which it's, you know, it's crypto, and uh, then come back in with another couple units so you can try to average in a price that is, you know, at or, or near where it's trading currently. And I think this this failure to understand scaling in is what led to hodling, which is basically like, Everybody decided, in, at least in crypto, Bitcoin was a thing, and they got well, they just put their money into Bitcoin seventeen thousand, and then just was like, "Well, there's, there's my allocation." Can, I mean, that's. I think the thing is, is like, you scale in and you scale out as well. So, like in my mind, I'm just like, okay, there's a number of Bitcoin that I'm basically always going to have, and then I'm sort of like adding to it and selling away from it, and uh, you know, I got that Bitcoin sort of through that strategy and then maybe over time it gets a little bit bigger or something. Um, but for the most part, I'm just like, okay, that's my, this is a Bitcoin that I'm like willing to hold for a long period of time. But then, um, yeah, let's take advantage of the, the volatility around this asset. Yeah. I just think it's so important because, you know, I think that's how people, they, they hold it because they went on sort of like, Oh, Bitcoin's a thing at 17,000 and it went down. They're like, I'm not going to take this big loss. I'm just going to, I'm going to you know, express this political stance that this is real. And, and um, 
read an article in the FT today about a a gold rush in the metaverse, which the metaverse is just so triggering for me because the whole idea of, as we talked about before, Facebook in 3D, like I I don't like Facebook in unidimensional plane, but, you know, getting inside and crawling around the Facebook, it it would be the worst thing I could ever sort of uh, imagine. And, um, you know, (laughs) at this exhibition, one of the exhibitors in the metaverse said that it's a catch-all term for the theory that people will spend even ever greater proportions of their lives in even more immersive virtual worlds lacks an exact enough definition for anyone to claim that they are an investable play of it. So there's somebody who's putting on an exhibition and doesn't really believe in it. And I've talked to a lot of people like this about crypto. They're like, you know what? It's a thing. I acknowledge it. It's a thing. I only have so many hours in a day. If people want to go become billionaires off of Dogecoin, that's fine with me, but I'm just not going to get into it. And I'm like, cool. I mean, I can sort of respect that, I guess. But that's the way I am with the metaverse. If 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 the future for my theoretical children that I've never had and never will, hopefully, um, is that I'm missing out on an opportunity for intergenerational wealth creation by not buying fake real estate, <laughs> virtual real estate or whatever, so be it. Uh, I'll be the last of the, the people to do it. But as I pointed out in the last podcast, we still wipe our ass with trees, processed trees. So technology, you know, every, every, you know, every, every little bit, it feels like people just kind of, you know, come up with some, Oh, technology is doing this. Oh, technology is that. And then this is, this is one of the investors or the uh, equity analysts that, um, Jeffrey said, "Thanks. Think back to the early days of the mass market internet investment gold rush. The best bets in those first stages were on the hardware, the picks and shovels. Well, yeah, if you happen to time it exactly right and get long those hardware bets in 1998 and beat out by 1999, you did really well. Otherwise, your shares in the Nasdaq, if purchased in 2000, became." Uh, profitable again 15 years later so i don't know if that's a really great analogy here but i just i'm not a big fan of the metaverse even though i am long the coin disclosure sand which i don't know what it does but i think it's involved in the metaverse you're still long it oh yeah yeah i i mean, I, uh, I took my constitution dow profits and caught a quick trade on it and then just uh sold everything back into ethereum so just to watch Ethereum go down. Ethereum is going down. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like I sold a bunch of stuff into Bitcoin and Ethereum over the last couple of weeks, and everything's going down, but it's not going down as bad, right? So, I mean, instead of getting minus 20% right now, I'm getting well, – I mean, Ethereum only went down 6%, 6.8%. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of these some of these coins are just getting crushed right now, uh, with the exception of, like, Sushi and uh, Phantom. Yeah, and if you look at today, for example, short. Well, it depends on where you measure the Ethereum from, because you have like different websites, and they give you different percentage basis down. But I think if you're gonna be, there's if you're gonna if you're gonna bet on projects, then you're betting on relative outperformance. And so if you're gonna bet on relative outperformance as, as opposed to absolute performance, the difference being 
say you get a a bracket for the NCAA for foreign listeners. We have this thing we all do: college basketball teams, your university if you're abroad, and you fill out this bracket based on the NCAACP. God, NCAA um, teams that are entering the uh, what's called March Madness is where they all go and compete. It's very hard, and people have you know these office competitions where somebody wins you know um, the free lunch or something. Because it's almost impossible to pick the who's going to be the final winner, because there's 64 teams that go in, and but it's relatively easy um, to say that you know I believe that um, Duke has a greater chance than Wayne State in Michigan, and so if you're betting that Duke's going to make it farther. Than Wayne State, that's an easier trade to make to me. So on a relative basis, if you're short something, if you're short Ethereum against the um, the coins, then you may have a down period, but you won't be as down as as much. And I don't think there's a a, a, a time now now that Ethereum is you know the silver to Bitcoin's gold or whatever. I don't think there's going to be a time when Ethereum is going to outperform. See, I just don't. I, I, I uh, I'm pushing back now. It's 2022. Like we had the Ethereum, the Ethereum run or whatever to number two. I'm, I'm. I was thinking about this today. Like everyone's like, oh, Ethereum's gonna flip Bitcoin. I think uh, I, there's a couple of cryptocurrencies in my mind that'll flip Ethereum before Ethereum flips yes. Bitcoin. I because uh, I, okay, so like I was listening to the Bankless, and and by the way, uh, you were totally right. You called the let's shit on Bankless because everyone on crypto Twitter is just shitting on Bankless right now. We should have done it first. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I tried to start a Mexican <laughs> prison war, like a prison gang war. I said let's start a gang war bank- Bankless, and they're they're clearly yeah. Aryan. So but, they're Vital- Aryan nation. Vitalik, you know the. The voice behind Ethereum, the you know whatever people say, founder. But there was like twelve founders or something like that. Um, anyways, the, you know the guy that everyone sort of views as Mister Ethereum was on Bankless, and they were going together through like you know uh, the the Ethereum roadmap and all the changes like to F two point and you know it, it it sounded really smart. Like the Bankless guys were just sort of sitting there nodding their head while Vitalik talked for like an hour or two hours or something. And then he started talking about something that like blew my mind, where he was like, um, "We're gonna we're gonna make it where we only save one year of history on Ethereum, and the rest of it is gonna go towards you know these third party sources that are supposed to save like the history of everything, and you know it'll oh, be centralized, no. but." Not decentralized, and I'm like, well, isn't the whole point of all these people that are betting millions of dollars on this on these NFTs that like they're the history of the rest of forever? Yes. And then now they're now they're talking about, oh, let's uh, you know, like why does it really matter if we save more than a year ago? And then again, you know, I go back to we're just like, okay, well, Bitcoin, like this is why everyone that's saying Bitcoin is the VCR or or, or whatever, you know, the Betamax to VCR or whatever. Like I think Ethereum is the is the thing it's the it's the thing that 20 years from now no one's going to even really remember it except for some history books um it, just because you know bitcoin is 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 in my mind like the you know 30-year treasury bond of the u.s it's like it's the thing that is just low it's the lowest risk crypto that exists and 
every other crypto is just like, let's just take something and add it to Bitcoin. Well, you're just introducing risk, right? So, uh, I just, you know, until somebody finds a lower risk cryptocurrency than Bitcoin, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, uh, Ethereum is, is going to be, um, uh, we're changing our monetary policy. So now, now there's less Ethereum being created per day than, you know, than we're printing. It's like, okay, well, that's not why Bitcoin is interesting. The reason that Bitcoin is interesting is it has less risk, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I just see, I see a lot of people coming after Ethereum's like slice of the pie. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of problems with the network. And I think like throwing away all of the history before a year ago is just a huge mistake. It's beyond a huge mistake. I mean, there's reasons why, you know, you have to preserve, I mean, the IRS, like if you don't preserve your, your records going back three years or whatever, they'll give you a fine if they, if they audit you. Uh, securities firms are required to hold everything. Lawyers, you know, that's why. So you can go back and there's a record of it. I mean, there are deals. There's a law firm. There are physical binders of deals that I've done, like, you know, including one IPO. It's also, I mean, he's also advertising, though, because if you're saying that the solution to Ethereum needing to process more information is that we should just rely on centralization, it's like, okay, cool. Well, then if you want to have decentralized store value, you put your money into Bitcoin, and then anything else is something that's, more centralized, right? And so then why is Ethereum anything more special than Solana or Avalanche or Phantom or, you know, whatever, right? So, uh, it, you know, if you want to talk about, like, decentralization, well, then how about spreading out DeFi across multiple chains versus having everything, you know, so concentrated on Ethereum? Yeah, this goes back to one of our first conversations. I'll have to go dig it up from the archives where I talked about, like, how do you... There's a there's a thing of, of re-centralization, right? So you split this thing up into de- de- DeFi, right, or decentralized finance. Let's call it decentralized finance, and then you re-centralize it by putting it on Coinbase. Just, just yeah, yeah. It, just to me, it's almost like it's almost like not to get too heavy here, but religiousness in terms of religion, you know, Protestants got rid of a pope. Because they're like, yo, you know, we just want to have a direct relationship with God. We don't need you to manage the conference call. And then they have these extremely potent preachers who are like have 20,000 people and are on TV and all that. And they're just like new popes. It's like you got a new pope. His name's Joel Osteen or whatever. So, yeah, I I just that whole we talked about that a long time ago. Sorry if I got real flow there, but that's something we've been talking about a long time. Yeah, no, I mean, it just, I, I was, I was just blown away. I was listening to it. I mean, it, I get it. It's a hard problem that, that they're trying to solve, right? And they have a good font. Yeah, yeah. They have, they have a nice font. Our I boy, mean, yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin looks like shit. It's not sexy. It's not really, you know, it, it, the thing about it is it just doesn't stop, right? And it doesn't have problems. Yeah. You know, POS stands for two things, piece of shit and proof of stake. I mean, I just, I've, I've only made money from selling above 4,000 until that changes. Um, I mean, you know, trading is basically without getting too gross or whatever, but I mean, you know, just feeling pleasurable things until they're no longer pleasurable. I mean, you go towards the win until it, 
kicks your ass. And um, if Ethereum goes to eight thousand or whatever, then I'll have to eat those words or what? Which it absolutely could, but um, no, I'm I'm. This is the year of the Matic. I, 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 I think I, it's I think it's all of the um, yeah all, all of the chains yeah but I mean for well, me, yeah yeah I mean I think um, you know one of the things that just happened recently is the the gas prices are starting to increase on Matic finally for the first time and you know so that, that, that's that's the issue with all these things right it's like Ethereum many many years ago when no one was using it was like oh yeah it's cheap compared to Bitcoin and then now everyone's using it it's not cheap so. The true stress test for like all these networks is when you have people actually go and start using them in mass. Like, how well do they do? And you, and you, you know, everybody sits around trying to predict it and stuff. And you know, Cardano went up to ninety-five billion dollars, and then they launched their smart contracts, and then you know, no (laughs) one's heard from them ever since. So, um, still number seven on CoinGecko. Which I just uh, and we'll see. That's that. That was what I uh, I wrote this article a while ago about how Ethereum, uh, you know, has sort of like flipped Bitcoin on all these certain metrics and stuff. Um, but then in my mind, like, what's what's why is Ethereum number two? Because it has you know futures contracts on the CME, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there was Solana futures contracts, like Solana would be number three and stay there. I, I don't know. I, it's amazing that BNB is. Com- competitive um, being just like, you know, basically the shit coin. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why CME's being slow to, to introduce um, other coins that are clearly here to stay. Uh, I think that they want to maybe probably stay away from Dogecoin, which, fine, which you know, actually, how as much as I'm a Doge hater, you do look at it at 15 cents and you think, think that it went to 69 and Oh yeah, I've been looking at it as well, thinking like, where am I going to get back in? Get in. <laughs> the reason I, I think, yeah, the reason I think Matic is the place you want to be is because it looks cheap relative to Avalanche. Now, I still think that's an important part of crypto psychology: is what looks "quote unquote" cheap for people who are DeFi DJs. They're going to look at the market cap, total value locked all these other different metrics in order to make their investments. But I still think the marginal buyer of this stuff who's trying to allocate across, you know, random stuff like me and sand uh, takes a look at Polygon and goes 220. I could see that going to five. And they take a look at Avalanche and they see $97 and they, it's hard to see it going to what? Yeah, yeah, right, right. You think, oh, that's going to a hundred. Right, so, and that's one of the things that, I, as much as I like Luna, I kind of feel like it it has a psychological price barrier of a hundred dollars. I mean, you called it at six. Yeah, I agree. You called it at six dollars, right on a pullback. But Luna is now so well established that I feel like it, you trade it like a stock. You don't trade it like a you know wildly speculative instrument like a crypto or a futures or anything. One of the one of the ones that's had sort of staying power that I need you to explain because we trashed it. We we absolutely trashed this this protocol early on, either in an article or a podcast. I can't remember what, but it was called Helium. And um, this guy repaired my computer. I asked you about it, and you were like, you looked at research, and you're like, ooh, the world's largest physical physical blockchain. It sounded like human centipede or something like that. And it's it's number forty five. What? Why is Helium still a thing? 
Yeah, I think it's the that sort of F compet like everyone sort of realized like Ethereum sucks. So they're just like we don't care. Like if it if it walks and talks and it's not Ethereum, like we'll we'll bid on it right now. So learning um um I think I think yeah, FTM I like FTM. I like them all. I, I mean, I, I like, but I still think Matic. I still think you got to give the edge to that psychological factor. Well, Phantom has the best story. It has the best narrative around um, an Ethereum clone because Ethereum is like was trying to be. It's the functional Bitcoin, right? That that's Ethereum's narrative. It's it's Bitcoin, but like you know, so if Bitcoin is a a, a pocket knife, right, with a single blade. Ethereum is supposed to be like your Swiss Army knife, so everyone's like, "Oh, duh, that's better." And then you go and try and use it, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, every time you get it out of your pocket, it just like cuts your hand in a thousand places." <laughs> uh, you know, so <laughs> so now everyone's looking across all the you know Solana, like pretty much all the Bitcoin maxis, the decentralized maxis, like hate Solana because it's. You have to go, um, you know, be a multimillionaire to be a part of running the network. And there's very few actual like nodes. And then, you know, the same thing is true for like Binance Smart Chain. Um, Cardano is just, I mean, I don't know, a mystery. I, I would I would throw XRP into the same mystery, um, Polkadot into the same mystery, just because it's just like, what are these things I have not seen a product that like is interesting for me to go try and use. Um, people have linked me things that I could go use. And I'm just like, this is just a copy of like a worse copy of something else I've already seen. Um, I, my, my like upside to Terra Luna. Um, by the way, I'm just going through the, the list right now after everything's corrected on the, the top cryptocurrencies on uh, CoinGecko. The thing that I think Luna has going for it um, that makes it makes it like um, a decorrelated bet is that it has the stablecoin component where, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, the the token is the collateral for some stablecoin. So yep. as as Bitcoin goes down, there's more demand for stablecoin. So I, I I don't know. Like I, I think that th- that's more of like giving it a floor. I think than it it is giving it like an upside. Um, no, it's just that's exactly the thing. It has uh, it, the collateralization has means you need to trade it like a stock. Like you need to you need to think of this thing in terms of you know it's, it's seventy eight. It's not going to two. Yeah, like, yeah. So if we go through if we go through the top eleven cryptos right now, those were all other than Tether, every and then USD coin. Every single one of those was like another chain, like an alt chain, right? So right. Some Bitcoin or Ethereum. I mean, most of them are all Ethereum competitors. Um, Luna being the only one that sort of like stands out on his own as being interesting. And then, um, yeah, and then like you finally get underneath the dogs, right? At number number twelve and thirteen, you have Dog Coin and you know Doge Coin <laughs> and Shiba Inu. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you have Polygon. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I just think. I just think that there's some um, there's some room for diversity in the top fifteen. Let's call it um, totally. Like, I think why, yeah, what, yeah. Your advice, your advice to my, uh, to JBL, our the guy we had on the podcast one time, um, was uh, you know he's like should I buy Ethereum or something? He was making his first foray into crypto, and you're like no, just take it and put it spread it between um, 
Solana. I think you told him that Solana when it was like 12. Um, Luna when it was like at 30. Uh, Phantom when it was didn't exist. Um, and whatever else. I mean, my guess is he's got to be up like a thousand percent or something. Because he didn't do the binary, you know, shit. Yeah, even with the uh, even with the pullback, yeah, yeah, he didn't do the binary, you know, should I be long Ethereum or just not participate? Which I think is, you know, again, the relative value nature of the whole thing. I I, I still don't understand why Cardano is hanging out at number seven now. I mean, I, like somebody somebody owns it. It's in somebody's wallet. Somebody's buying it. I think it's the the thing that we've been talking about where how, how these like cryptocurrencies are printing like, you know, their own supply. Yeah. And so you like, you know, how much money is actually left in Cardano, you know, I don't know, maybe $5 billion or something like that, but they've, they're just keep making more supply. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Am I right about Cardano? I'm pretty sure they have more supply coming in. Nope, they don't. That's total max circulating supply so cardano is fixed market cap wow i'm taking it all back so i don't know i mean uh oh i see circulating supply no i am right okay there is more supply coming in in the future but it's not compared to like compared to something like a dogecoin <laughs> yeah we're five billion new coins come in per year yeah there's only there's only um 13 billion cardano left to be printed out of and a total of forty five billion market cap, so that's not that bad compared to something like Dogecoin. Um, but yeah, so my, it it does go back to my point that you have all these tokens that are just sort of like being put out on the market, um, and people are getting them and acquiring them. Like you know, I think you can stake stake Ethereum to earn Ethereum, stake Cardano to earn Cardano, stake Popa. You know, so there's more tokens being entered in the market. And there's not necessarily more dollars, right? But then the market cap is being represented as going up or sideways. Yeah, and I do, I do think that um, the amount of money. I think we may have underestimated the amount of money that came into. We, you know, we talk about crypto all the time as being closed system. The money enters the system but never leaves the system. It just gets turned into stable coins and. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the amount of dollars entering in crypto in 2021, 2022, if you look at rate of entry, let's call it rate of entry, which I don't know if that's a real metric or not, but rate of entry, I think is probably not going to be as good as 2021. And uh, there, there again, you want relative performance. And there again, something like Phantom, which is a below $3, has an edge because people look at it and it's cheap. Um and they could see it going, you know, you could see Phantom $2.89, which had a great day, obviously. And um, they could see it going to $10. Yeah, and exactly. Because $2.89, makes more sense. $5 makes more sense than 3 and 10 makes more sense. I mean, well, see, I think that's the thing is it gets to 5 and everyone says, hey, that's great. And then if it goes to 6, that's the moment when everyone's like, oh, hey, this could go to 10. Then you got ones that are just trading off of. I mean, I've never heard you bring up Tron, so I assume yeah. it does. I assume it doesn't have really anything going for it because I mean, you tend to find things that have things going for them. 
And so Tron, I think, is just there because um, uh, it's trading off like it's a it's a trademark violation. It's like trading off the movie or something. Like people are like, I've seen the word Tron before. And so the the random Coinbase allocators who are like, yeah, um, like the tweets you read about. I just put my kids through college by taking a thousand dollars and putting a dollar on every cryptocurrency that existed. And yeah, all that kind of stuff. So Tron's a beneficiary there. And I still like die a lot. I'm a big die fan on the stable coin front. Yeah. It's, um, actually, that, that's been a, that's been a, a, a bit of a controversy recently on crypto Twitter because Dai is considered to be like VC backed or whatever, which, uh, I mean, it certainly is more VC backed than like magic internet money, but it is, it is also a, a stab at a, a decentralized stable coin that, you know, versus how US, USD coin and uh, tether work. Yeah. I think the purity tests about outside capital involvement, particularly venture capital beyond, you know, Andreessen's $2.2 billion front. I think this purity test of, you know, are you, did you take VC is a, stupid. I don't think it adds anything to the, to the debate. And then you have crypto.com coin, which that shows you the power of why cricket is such an amazing game is because they put crypto.com on, uh, I believe Indian premier league. Uh, so, Cricket is the second most popular sport in the world behind football, uh, non-American football. And they put their their logo on the jerseys of the IPL. And I think that's the reason why it's the number 16. And it's progressively gone sort of up. And it was, you know, the summer it was like number 50. And then before, you know, early summer it's like 150 or whatnot. So, yeah, CoinGecko has been a valuable resource. I'm glad you showed it to me. I don't think I would sort of be still doing this if I didn't have access to it and I couldn't go on. And I still think it's there. crazy. We're at 12,243 cryptos. I just don't think anyone, you know, all these people that are trying to make analogies to uh, the dot-com bubble, like blah, blah, blah. I mean, I guess it was this easy to make websites. I don't think so, right? Like, I don't think it was this easy at all because to make a website, you had to actually have some hardware, right? Where cryptocurrency is literally just code and then you're running it on like Ethereum or some other blockchain. So uh, at some point, it's a bit, you know, it starts to look like iTunes or whatever. It's like, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. The, you know, I, th- I think probably why Bitcoin's not a hundred thousand dollars is because there's twelve thousand two hundred forty-five cryptocurrencies on CoinGecko, and a year ago there was six thousand. Yeah, and I remember even four, like four thousand. I mean, you go down to these ones like uh, Son of Elon, Son of Elon, S O E S O E is up fourteen, no, hundred and forty thousand percent in seven days, but has a twenty-four hour volume of fifty thousand dollars. So. In theory, if you were there seven days ago, you're up 140,000%. But my guess is you can't find a buyer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was thinking about that. The, you know, so tax season's coming in soon, right? And so I guess if you buy these things and then you can't find a, a buyer to sell to, you can't claim it as a loss, right? Yeah, I don't. 
That's a great question. I, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, I, you definitely don't have un- unrealized gains. Yeah, if you can't, you know, can't find a buyer, that's what I think is called. You can make a new wallet and uh, sell it to yourself. <laughs> that's what I think is called. Um, you've got uh, economic impairment or something on a balance sheet. I don't know. I'm not a CFA, so I can't really comment on that. Somebody probably knows the answer to the question somewhere. But yeah, you got uh, um, crypto mafia coin, which is up mm, eight million percent in seven days, and <laughs> has a twenty-four hour volume of four hundred twenty-four dollars. So I don't, th- I don't, I don't really see you be able to be um, able to do it. One of my favorite ones was a was a dental coin, and. It was just Bitcoin for dentists. That's all it had going for it. It's like, hey, we've got this coin, and dentists are going to use it. It's just like, what? Wait, are you are you, are you on uh, CoinGecko right now? Just yeah, search for, just search for corn. Corn. Okay. Oh, but meanwhile, um, people are in in Argentina um, are actually. A bit how many corn there's so many different corns so many corn to, like popcorn token polycorn finance cornado that cornado has got to be a high quality cryptocurrency well there, but there is on the other hand you got oh, it's up cornado is up 96 percent in the last 24 hours um but there is uh a movement um in um argentina right now bitcal um, cryptocurrencies have apparently uh, break into Argentina's agricultural sector. Blockchain technology and tokenization of assets such as cows and soybeans could provide Argentina's agricultural uh, sector with greater transparency and traceability. It's a pretty interesting article about BitCow, a firm that was launched, launched its own digital currency representing heads of cattle, and you can buy fractionalized heads of cattle. Um uh, and agro token, and you kind of read the article, and it's interesting, and it's good reporting from the Buenos Aires Times, and then you, you realize that there's been it's a two thousand dollar market so far. Right, I don't even think it's a uh, is it even a crypto? It says it's a digital token. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's it's uh, it says it's not a cryptocurrency on their website. Yeah, the blockchain is a vehicle traceability production. Um, founder of Carnes Meat Valid Validas. I don't know what that means. Uh, a technology platform aimed at actors in the meat chain. By the way, <laughs> by the way, I've uh, I've um, I have uh, um, gone plant based. Oh, really? For uh, for what reasons? Um, I health or like you love cows. Well, but a kind of couple of things. One, I've been pig 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 free for a long time. After I learned that you know, sort of how that's been years that pigs are smarter than dogs and people don't eat dogs. And I went to this town in Oklahoma called Gaiman. It was the biggest piece of shit in the world. Sorry, Gaiman, Oklahoma, but um, it has a seaboard uh, they. I don't know how many hogs they slaughter, but a day, but the whole place just smells like pig shit. But what finally did for me actually was 
so I just moved into a, a new house and the previous owner was very aggressive in his mice control. And so this is a cabin. I live way away from everything. I mean, I'm the only person right now on like 25,000 acres. And so they had put uh, a lot of these mouse traps where the mouse get, you know, um, stuck and then just like wear themselves out and die or whatever. And so one of them had done that and I put it outside and it's buddy obviously trying to come and save it and it got stuck too. And it started making noises. And these are cute. These are not like city sewer rats, which I don't even know if they're really bad anyway, but these are like cute little field mice. They're like out of a Disney movie and it was just making this awful noise. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go give this meat, the, you know, a plant base a try. And I've, find out really enjoy it but i will say to anyone contemplating it the amount of gas that you will produce and i don't mean the ethereum kind is extraordinary i mean i don't i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand how people in committed you know um you know marriages or whatever go plant-based because the amount of flatulence is just just a, it's more than you experience in bass pro shops yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if, if, if Bass Pro Shops were to go um, plant based, if you could even walk in there. <laughs> I don't think you could. So our boy Liquidity did his first podcast. Did you listen to it? I did. I listened to it earlier today. I I didn't hear a, a mention of Bass Pro Shops though. Yeah, no, that was a disappointment. Didn't hear a mention of foot guns either. Kind of a disappointment. That was a pretty good podcast. I don't know who Mark Moran is, but I'm sure I will in the coming coming days. Seems very tailored to the, the financial professional, um, youthful, young financial professional. Guys stuck in the bullpen, analysts, young people, investment banks. Um, and uh, uh, what else you got today? How 69K? I mean, that's it for me. It was a pretty normal day until everything just started selling off and then you know you have, whatever you have it gave no something idea. to talk about you have no idea i was actually buying the wrong things i was buying the wrong contract months i thought i had something like you know maybe a hundred thousand dollars of exposure to s&p mid caps and it was like two two million at 10 times leveraged and it went down the most it's ever gone down in one day that I can find on a chart. <laughs> I mean, it was just a, it was a rough, uh, it was just one of those, we can't, you can't enter in orders fast enough. And every time that typically that you see a fed minutes thing or something where initially it goes, the market popped up and then it starts selling off almost always. If it does that, it'll, it'll, it'll recover during the day. Um, because people digest the news or whatever. But in this case, I mean, everybody must have had their finger on the sell button because there was no recovering. And so that's why you always got to follow that rule, which you can only double down once on a losing trade. And uh, stick to that. That'll that'll help you because if you have know, <laughs> three or four double downs, trying to find the bottom of a market is a very expensive proposition. And, and that's why if you scale in, you, you might actually be able to do it. But if you keep doubling down, you'll explode. 
Then you add leverage into it, which nothing to do with futures, and it just winds up being, I think today is my worst day since 2015. Oh, well, it's and, definitely uh, your worst day in 2022. Yes. Yes. Followed by, you know, at a 10.7% day yesterday. So that's what made it so strange. But, um, and it, well, yeah, I mean, didn't, didn't you expect that though? A little bit. Definitely went in there sort of cocky. But a lot of it had to do with just like actual error. Um, like not knowing that I, how big this contract, I, like I've, I've, I'm just like the same way. The thing is, in, even if you're in TradFi trader, global, global macro trader, you're always looking for different ways to express ideas that are relatively uncomplicated. And so, you know, I've been a big believer that people rotate into small caps, mid caps, um, and technology was sort of done. And NASDAQ proved that today, but they all went down together. Everybody was just like, sell everything today. And you can tell sometimes when it's a buying opportunity, but if you don't see a relatively brisk after hours uptick, then you should just stay on the sidelines for a little bit. And I'm seeing no after hours real uptick. I mean, there is and stuff I needed to go up. Like, like oil was actually pretty strong today, but, um, there's nothing on the S&P futures front that makes you want to get near this stuff. So anyway, with that being it, is this going to be, is this good enough for um, a public release? I think we should do it. Yeah. I mean, we went through the, uh, we went through the top cryptos, I think, you know, and shit on bankless and whatever. So I want a damn gang war. Uh, and on our Discord, I mean, I'm just, I'm just questioning how much people. I put some, I put some hidden stuff in my, uh, uh, I saw my post in, in Discord, some little Easter eggs from screenshots that I don't think people have found yet. So <laughs> go to our, go to our Discord and look for some Boomer posts, and we'll be back later this week, and we'll do this all over again.